Hey, just a heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is about Prometheus, directed by Ridley Scott and written by John Spates and Damon Lindelof, based on elements by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. Some relevant trigger warnings for this movie include body horror, forced pregnancy, and gaslighting, and our hosts rank this movie as ridiculous. If you'd like to learn more about the movie discussed this evening, please visit our website for show notes. After the spooky music, we'll talk about the movie in full, so be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, a podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the less beloved prequel of one of the most beloved sci-fi franchises of all time. That's right, it's The Phantom Menace. I mean, Prometheus. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Punch drunk. We are doing a movie I have been requesting since we started this fucking podcast. This is one of my all-time favorites, So Bad It's Good. If you are a longtime listener of the podcast, get ready. I am in full-on fucking Resident Evil mode for this episode. Oh, boy. <laughs> and also, the cinnamon roll of Cenobites. Our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Well, I watched this movie, and then I did a seance and spoke to the ghost of Hans Rudy Giger. And what was that? He's still not sure how he feels about the uh, the genital aesthetic being considered to be a superior architecture of a superior race. But yeah. no, I can't understand what you're saying. No, I can't. Look, you know they're superior because oh, okay. they have flute-based navigation technology. <laughs> yeah, flute-based. If but it just been one. a penis shape, it would have been. Are we sure Lizzo is not part of this alien species? (laughs) Would have been a better movie. (laughs) Speaking of superior people, our guests tonight, both returning superstars, Gregory Silver and Jamie Noguchi. Guys, how are you? Doing all right. How are you? (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited. I was telling Jamie uh, before we started recording that I'm of the, well, at least was. My opinion may have changed a little bit since rewatching, but I was explicitly told that the host swan me on because I am one of the few fans of the Alien franchise that really likes Prometheus. <laughs> so uh, this will be interesting. Yes, every time I watch it, I find something new and dumber. <laughs> why? Yeah, I... Why is Patrick Wilson doing a British accent? <laughs> Who desperately needed this Patrick Wilson cameo? That they're like, fuck it. I like if you're looking for fun to play new viewer pace with father, it's on Caddy. At first, I'm watching. I'm like, oh yeah, right. Patrick Wilson, strangely British child, and then I noticed he's also doing a British accent. Oh, I totally missed that. It's crazy. Isn't it like who is clamoring like? Fuck, we gotta have that Patrick Wilson cameo in 2012 pre-conjuring movie. That's gonna put butts in seats. He is in the movie for a minute. Just cast a British person. I mean, Jesus Christ. If we're gonna complain about weirdness of casting in this movie, we gotta talk about Guy Pierce acting <laughs> 10 pounds of makeup for five minutes of the movie. <laughs> that was wild. I kept waiting for something to happen that was going to de-age this man. It did not happen. There, so I don't know just if that was age. Guy Pierce the whole time. He looked less like he was aged and more like he was like fried. Yeah, there, yeah, like- there was a whole viral campaign with 
young Guy Pierce as Waylon Katana. He did a TED talk. Oh well, yes, good, I saw that. Good yeah. thing it's canon with the ARG. Yeah, those, he, those things that always age super well. That was <laughs> totally worth having the most bafflingly distracting character in the movie. Yeah, I only remember that because that shit when it was coming out, when Prometheus was coming out, I watched all of that shit. Like I was in, I was in. I was like, Waylon Katani, this is an alien movie. Fuck all y'all. I am the, I think the sole person in this group who hadn't seen this movie before this watch, uh, just because it, it came out and I didn't see it. And then I got strong enough vibes from people not having seen it <laughs> or from people having seen it that was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't put myself through this. So, yeah, I think like Ben, you seem to be <laughs> pro this movie despite thinking it's stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jamie, Jamie seems to be overwhelmingly for this movie. Greg seems to feel the need to defend this movie. I also think it's stupid. Like, I watch Kamen Rider on purpose, a show aimed at six-year-old Japanese kids to buy toys. So my opinion is very colored. This is a movie where every frame is from one of the greatest visual geniuses to ever grace the medium of film working at the top of his craft with a script and a confidence that is near Tommy Wiseau levels. <laughs> All I could think the entire time watching this movie, once we got past like the first 15 minutes and it just started getting weirder and weirder, uh, I was just like remembering this interview that Ridley Scott gave last year where he was like, yeah, I just can't get the money to do any big movies anymore because superhero movies. I was like, is that why? Yeah. At least go. Or was it that they gave you the budgets and you made two Michael Fassbenders kiss each other? That was genius. Shut up. Wait, what? That was genius. Clearly not in this film. No, that was not in this movie. Oh, I I haven't seen Covenant yet. Yeah, that one is actually watchable because of that. I don't care what anyone says. It was like a shit sandwich with like one diamond in it. And that diamond was Michael Fassbender androids making out with each other. Speaking of Michael Fassbender androids, not having seen this movie... I was watching this movie with Alicia for the first five minutes while she was awake. Uh, <laughs> and Michael Fassbender came on screen and started doing whatever it is he's doing in this movie. And she was like, what is his deal? I was like, oh, he's definitely an android because that's the whole deal with this series is fucking weird android dudes. And they've Filled never made a weirder one. Like Fucking weird android dudes. Fucking the degree to which David runs away with this movie. <laughs> Fassbender is easily giving the best performance, easily the most explored and interesting character. Yep. He's clearly the character both the writers and the directors are the most interested in. You can feel them mid-movie, having started with a plan, and then just slowly morphing to like, ah, fuck, turns out we only care about writing David. Yeah, I have things to say about that, which I will get to after the recap, but I have a science question. So how many generations does it take for Lance Hendrickson to become Guy Pierce or Michael Fassbender? Because I'm pretty sure Michael Fassbender is playing a young Guy Pierce because Waylon, like every fucking android creator Wait, in science fiction, makes a fucking... But wasn't uh, the whole point of casting Guy Pierce is that young Guy Pierce is old Guy Pierce? That would be insane. Oh my god, this movie is just insane enough to cast Guy Pierce as the old version of the character and Michael Fassbender as the younger. 
that well, Michael Fassbender man. somehow ages into Guy Pierce in old man makeup. He was like, he was covered in honey. Like, I don't even know what that age makeup is. <laughs> okay, okay. We got to get to the recap. <laughs> Can I finish my quick question? Sure. Yes. So, don't, no more. I'm just going to ask this question. We're not going to quip about it. So, Guy Pierce or Michael Fassbender, whatever. Waylon was Lance Hendrickson in Alien versus Predator 1. Yep. Right, what well, Paul W. S. Anders and whatever the fuck his name is that we just watch a movie of, and then he becomes Guy Pierce, and then he becomes Lance Henriksen again. I'm gonna so say A V P takes place in a separate universe. That's a different. Yeah. That's a different A V P timeline. I don't accept that because if Bradley Scouch could say that fucking Blade Runner is in a- the fucking Alien universe. Then he can't. The ultimate alien universe. New Becky, old Becky, new Aunt Viv, old Aunt Viv. Yeah, that's the explanation. It's the. (laughs) I don't know. It's just. I like this idea that we can somehow set all of Ridley Scott's movies in the same universe. That's what he says. I'm I'm not doing it. (laughs) Are we doing it? We put both. Did (laughs) Alien take place in the same timeline as both Gladiator and American Gangster and the Last and Legend and Matchstick Men? (gasps) <gasps> yes, and Delmaine Louise. Did you know that Soldier Frank Russell is also canonically in the Alien universe? Okay, you can do the recap now. Okay, <laughs> thank you for this indulgence. <laughs> I demand it. I demand it. They didn't have a choice. Terrible things would have happened if I did not do the recap tonight. So I am doing the recap. I have been instructed to stick to the facts. So let's see how much we can communicate with a wildly sarcastic tone that's still technically accurate. <laughs> I need you to say who directed and wrote this movie. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and who directed this movie with who wrote this movie. It explains so much. This movie is directed by Ridley Scott, which explains a lot. It is written by John uh, Spates and uh, Damon Lindelof, which also explains a lot. A director and writer who I have loved a ton of things they've done. This is not one of them. (laughs) So millions of years ago, or maybe just a few thousand, it's not quite clear. A giant buff Stay Puff Marshmallow Man drinks some bad coffee, melts, and I think creates all life on Earth? Question mark, question mark. Fast forward. The mean company from the future in the Alien movies is still mean in the slightly less future of Prometheus. They funded an expedition led by scientist couple Charlie Halloway, white guy, and Elizabeth Shaw after they find a cave painting of a giant failing to juggle. We get introduced to David, the Michael Fassbender android who, as discussed, is going to steal this entire fucking movie <laughs> out from everyone. I'm telling you, it's crazy. He acts British and robot-y and mad sketch and also watches other better movies. He wakes up the crew, which includes the scientist couple, some other scientists, pre-MCU Benedict Wong, Charlize Theron as Charlize Theron type, and Idris Elba doing just the most whimsical New Orleans accent. Also just a bunch of other random people who just exist to not have faces and die. Then we get a hologram of old man Guy Pierce. Uh, shows up to explain that this is an expedition to a place they think they'll find the big buff whiteout men. They call them engineers. Sure, why not? They go down to the surface and inspect an installation on the planet. Spoilers, it's mad creepy and full of H.R. Giger alien aesthetic. (laughs) Did you ever want to know all the answers to your questions in Alien? Congratulations. It's super disappointing. 
Shaw recovers a head, and David helps himself to some murder goo. Scottish scientists and glasses scientists get lost in the base, which I really need to gloss over, or else this recap will be an hour of me explaining how dumb this whole sequence is. <laughs> fast forward, fast forward. The two end up having to spend the night in the nightmare base, and David poisons Charlie with alien goo, because lol, why not? Charlie and Shaw have conversations, and then poisoned alien goo sex. Back inside the structure, the two scientists decide to do science with their faces and die super mega horribly. It's great. Charlie gets super sick the next day because of the alien goo, and they rush him back to the ship. But Charlie's there and knows her proper pandemic procedure. She's kept up, and she takes a flamethrower to him super hard. Also, uh-oh, Scan Show Shaw is suddenly pregnant, even though that's supposed to be impossible. She knows it's definitely some alien goo shit, so we get uh, definitely the most hardcore scene in the whole movie with just a really intense self-performed C-section that's really chilling. Good job, movie. You did a scene good. But then we follow it up with, guess what? Old man Guy Pierce is here, and also Charlize is his daughter. Does it affect the plot? No! Does it give you another point in your middle school essay about the themes of this movie? Sure. Now, David Shaw and old man Guy Pierce go to meet bald vampire Schwarzenegger. They wake <laughs> him up, and then he rips off David's head and beats old man Guy Pierce to death with it. Cinema! After that, Shaw gets the fuck out of Dodge, and the engineer decides to take off and murder all of Earth with murder goo. Idris, Wong, and third guy decide to be the real cheese of this movie and heroically sacrifice themselves to crash the Prometheus into the alien ship. Shaw and Charlize run away from the falling, rolling ship. We'll get to it, trust you me. And Charlize <laughs> is crushed. Shaw can't catch a break, but ultimately manages to survive at least until the end of this movie when she sets the giant evil squid baby against Need Sunscreen Hulk. Her and the head of David take off to find their big buff alien makers, and maybe we'll see them again in a whole other motherfucker of a sequel. Cut. Recap. You forgot the part where the alien showed up. Did I? Oh boy, I feel so mad. The xenomorph is so much cooler now that I know all of the steps are... The steps to get you to xenomorph are apparently goo in guy. Guy puts goo in girl. That equals a rapidly growing squid baby, which if you then have face hug the like big buff like albino bodybuilder, then gets you the proto xenomorph. Congratulations. Simple. Man, the mystique is growing by the second. <laughs> it's real oh. Jeff Johns writing. It's just like <laughs> it's a lot of like eight steps that suck to get to the thing that already existed. It's explaining who puts the air in Batman's tires is what it is. Nobody wants to know. Yeah, I would say Jeff Johns probably loves this movie, but that would be to imply that Jeff Johns has an interest in literally anything other than DC Comics, and I'm not sure. <laughs> I knew from like the credits that it was going to be wild because it has an amazing cast and it's listed backwards of what it should be for any decent movie in this. Because it was like Numi Rapace. I was like, the girl with the dragon tattoo? Is that okay? Logan Marshall Green, who? <laughs> Michael Fassbender, Idris Elba, Shirley's Theron, Guy Pierce. I was like, oh, damn. Like, a good cast. Rafe Spall, Benedict Wong. Shit. 
a lot of those people are barely in this movie. I forget who it was I was talking to online after watching this movie, and I was like, yeah, Charlize Theron. And they were like, Charlize Theron? I don't remember her being in that movie. And I was like, that is evidence of how weird this movie is <laughs> that Charlize Theron isn't memorable. Like, yeah. what does she do? She's an eight-foot-tall like, karate Amazon. Any movie that she's in, you should be like, fucking Charlize Theron is amazing. If, in this movie, you're like, was she in it? This movie it cuts so out crazy. entirely. I don't think the plot changes in it any way. Much sense. Well, nope. Yeah, well, I would have kept up the quarantine protocols and burned that motherfucker. Like she that has dude, that line okay. where it's like, who, what would I would have done? Just run the Connie while you're gone? Yes! <laughs> but look, that dude. Dying old man who at the very least is going to be gone for four years. This yes, motherfucker, Charlie. Consolidate control, Charlie's. Don't you also fuck around for four years? Why do you think you're going to be in charge afterwards? Okay, I think look. the guy, current, the person currently running it for the last two years is going to keep running it. Maybe that's she, who Lance Hendrickson is. She doesn't burn the guy up until he asks her to. Mm. That dude actually is like, please kill me. Oh my god. <laughs> it is that's true. It is a consensual flame. Her when they do not listen to Sigourney, like where they do not listen to Sigourney in the original alien, she is like, No, I'm not letting a man with an alien attached to him into this ship. Fuck you. Like mm-hmm. that man is clearly going to get us all killed. I am burning him alive or he is staying out here. And he's like, No, please just burn me alive. <laughs> yeah. I've watched this movie a few times, and I think and maybe there's an it's an element of just repetition, but I think I figure out why, like, I feel so little tension, especially so little tension compared to, like, say, Alien and Aliens. Because it's badly was, paced. It's, ba- it's badly paced, and the plot is fucking nonsense. Uh, they can leave at any time. <laughs> you know what's the wildest thing? <laughs> is Paul Reiser is an infinitely scarier bad guy than Shirley's there and Michael Fassbender. My immediate reaction... To watching these two in this movie, Michael Fassbender playing a psychotic effeminate cyborg, and Charlize Theron playing a half his nails heiress who does nothing for most of the movie. Mm. They have some real Team Rocket energy. Like, uh huh. You know, Jesse and James. Prepare for like, trouble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they guy they playing me out. The whole thing they got. <laughs> Charlie's like confronts David in the hallway and tries to take control, and he's just like, "No, I'm the writer's favorite of this film. <laughs> I'm the menacing blonde person." The and writer forgot to give you characteristics. The business will control it. That's not plot relevant. You can legitimately cut. We don't even get to get a real full-on sex scene of her and Idris Elba. Yeah, I thought there was going to be more to that, but well, the thing I noticed this time around is. Immediately preceding the sex scene, which, as been noted, is not actually a sex scene. We don't see them having sex. We just see them discussing having sex, which in its own way is kind of a metaphor for this movie's <laughs> storytelling. Uh, right. At least they don't uh, say fuck. I didn't notice that, but that's interesting. But the scene that immediately precedes that discussion is uh, the two dudes who were left in the spooky caves. Yeah, during the storm, they encounter this 
different extraterrestrial creature that's described by one of those men as a uh, snake-like, an elongated reptilian creature. And it's so ironic that they describe this encounter with that elongated creature right before Idris Elba gives Charlie Theron an elongated creature. That was a long build-up. Yeah. <laughs> we got there. Okay. I just want to talk about Pytho, Sean Harris's character. Oh, yeah. Who's a geologist with the personality of a mad Irish boxer. I know, Brock. I right? know, Brock. <laughs> when he first shows up, he's like, fuck this whole mission. Fuck you, biologist. Fuck everything that's going on here. I just want to fucking box people and fight. And I was like, I what is this guy doing? He must be a soldier. And they're like, yeah. oh, he's our geologist. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> and he's also a drone engineer. It's these pups that are designed okay. to make dog noises. The dog, the fucking drone is in front of a door and it starts whining like a puppy. When I first saw that scene, I thought I was going insane. I thought I was having a stroke because I'm like, where's the dog? What the fuck? And Brett's like, the drone is making because it's his pups, you see. And I'm like, this dude's a LARPer. First of all. The character in this movie has exactly two character traits and at least one of them is fucking nuts. Like, the fact that, like, he is the geologist who just seems to want to punch people. The fact that Idris Elba's things are attractive pilot and that fucking accent, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> Benedict Wong runs a yeah. panel and has that hair. Whatever yeah, that's that his hair. character. <laughs> anyway, I'm really glad you brought up the pops because that gets into a really big part of why this whole thing with the two scientists is so delightfully dumb they immediately get lost his job was his laser drones <laughs> how did he get lost that was his one thing nobody also shit in the, the biologist they bring in the biologist like hey biologist your whole deal is to do biology in case we find any kind of in bodies they find alien bodies and his response is, well, time for me to nope the fuck out. Like, dude, this is what you're here for. Yeah. And he meets look, the angry look, vagina look. snake. And he's like, maybe I should poke it. <laughs> After this pile of okay. bodies is taller than all of them stacked together. They go into this room. They're like, this room is creepy as fuck. We're leaving. They get lost. And then they go back to the room they ran away from originally, even though it's now just even creepier and full of goo. The wildest thing about this movie is that they're all supposed to be scientists. Yes. And like the moment that they walk into this place and somebody's like, it seems like the air in this alien cave on this planet we've never been to is breathable. They're like, well, fuck, I guess we should all take our Stop helmets it. off. That, I get that second, I wear a seatbelt, okay, and I scene. hate that thing. And every time I can take it off, I do. It's just they're scientists. Scene <laughs> where, like, when Holloway's is like being really sick in the cave, and they're being like, "Oh no, there's an active infective agent going around on this alien planet. All of the canisters are now leaking goo. Quick, nobody put your helmet back on." Okay, the first big red flag that like coated everything with its redness and its flagness was when Shama's like, I believe what I choose to believe. Mm. And I'm like, 
oh no. <laughs> I feel like this is a movie too in love with its themes. Like, this is a movie that's like, we're tackling the big question. Right? The origin of what's it all mean. But yeah. no juice, though. But you no, don't have anything space. to actually say about that. No juice it's Christ- in space. It's Christmas time. No, it's Jewish in space. Everybody's like, oh, my cross necklace. And where do we come from? We're going to find God and fight him. Like, if Shaw is our POV character, the movie comes to she no conclusions. Though. Like, she has no spiritual arc. She starts the movie being like, I want to ask the engineers what their deal is. And she ends the movie being, I want to ask the engineers what their deal with us is. But in a different way. She starts out wanting to be like, hey, engineers, what's the deal? And she ends with, I want to ask them what their fucking deal is. Yeah, (laughs) just a different sound. (laughs) I hate both of the main characters of this movie. Elizabeth Shaw and Charlie Holloway. Oh, I I, I heard their I thought you meant Dave. I thought you were just talking about David. No, David. I, okay. I, I like, in no way consider Charlie Holloway to be a main character well, in this like, movie. He, is, he gets so much screen time, and there's so little going on there. Yeah, like he's the definition of failing upward. He's, well, no. yes. he's like every mediocre person you've ever encountered that's been put in like a leadership position or yeah. is your boss or for well, some reason owns the company. Well, like Sean's that's, like whole thing is that. Uh, she's crazy about aliens. She loves Jesus and America too. I don't. Like... <laughs> He's an anti-vaxer, one hundred percent. The hell, like that character sucks. And I have her two things. Sucks in a completely different way. I have two things. One, this movie makes a lot of mistakes. Yes, we talk about this. A lot of these mistakes are also made in other movies, but they're more forgivable. Why? Because this movie is so up its own ass. This movie but takes itself of, so seriously. It's like, oh, where did we come from? Oh, we came from a bunch of Rob Halford aliens that are like seven feet tall. And then it's where like... Where did we come from? Where did we go? Perfect. Where did we go? A match. Cotton Eye Joe. To what? God, when that screen flashes up, perfect DNA match, I'm like... Get fucked. Like, that's where Idris Alba comes like, in. Is he's got the accent. Okay, my second like, thing. How, how do y'all? This is like, even with the intro with like the fucking earth at the crescent. And apparently we're not so old that we've Pangeaed or I guess unpangeaed, whatever. Apparently this alien didn't create all life on earth because there were already plants because those rocks were covered in moss. So I just want to say crescent earth. 2001 Space Odyssey, panspermia theory. Our intelligence comes from outer space. In this case, tall white dudes. Whoops. Like, anyway. Real white. Like, really yeah, white. Like, transparent. Like, I don't know where to start. Like, do I go into my point about all the way the engineers are dumb or why Charlie Holloway is dumb? I'll I want to... Well, if we can, before we go any further with traction of the movie, which I sympathetic to, <laughs> I do... Feel like now that we've been talking about this for like a half hour, I should explain why I came at it from the perspective that I did, at least at the time. I mentioned it to Jamie, but I did not know this was an alien prequel when I saw it. The- oh, damn. Ah, That's how they wanted you to see it. That's yeah, exactly how like, they wanted I, I, I remember seeing trailers and thinking it looked really cool. And like being a fan of that first alien movie, I hadn't seen the others yet. I was like, oh, cool. Ridley Scott is doing a new, different 
sci-fi <laughs> horror movie. And I saw all these people being like, oh, I bet it's going to like secretly be connected to Alien. I was like, why can't Ridley Scott make a different sci-fi horror movie without having to be tied to this other thing that he did in 1979? And like, I wasn't super online at the time. Like, I didn't know if it was confirmed. I just thought, like, that was, like, rumors, you know? I didn't even take them that seriously. And then it was a big surprise in that last shot where I was like, oh, shit, the alien from Alien, because I, I, I refuse to call it a xenomorph. It's the alien from Alien. Um, <laughs> but I had not seen it for 10 years, up until literally yesterday, rewatching it for the purpose of being guest on the show. My hot take has always been... It's not a perfect movie, and certainly on rewatch, I'm finding many more flaws about it. <laughs> um, but if everyone went into it like I did, not realizing it had anything to do with Alien, I think everyone would enjoy it a lot more. It's got a good vibe. You know, if you've ever been like, hey, what if someone tried to make 2001 A Space Odyssey, like a horror movie, the answer would be, it actually would be less scary than 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> like, I just so appreciated, like, at the time that I was, like, trying to do a thing, even though now that I'm older and somewhat wiser, I'm like, it didn't really succeed. I mean, this is a gorgeous film. There is no effect that doesn't hold up, even if I still want to know why the engineers have squishy buttons and flute-based navigational technology. Because it's superior. The thing about this movie, <laughs> there is no film that is more the antithesis than the 1979 hit film Alien. Because, like, that movie is so, like, cheaply made. It's made on a budget. They're just, like doing everything they can, using what they've got, making it work. And, like, they they just do it so beautifully. It's so well made. And this movie has an enormous budget. Alien is such an interesting take that it's sort of this, like, blue-collar sci-fi of, like, this group of nobody miners on this planet that just happened to run into this murder alien. And this is a movie about the dumbest smart people in history. Like, they're all <laughs> supposed to be geniuses, and all of them are so dumb. I've been thinking oh about my God. that. I've been thinking about this in movies in general. And, like, when, when smart people do stupid things, I was like, you are a fucking idiot. However, we have just witnessed very smart people do very dumb fucking things in our immediate now like with the whole <laughs> pandemic and so like i've softened my opinion about the <laughs> stupidity of characters in film because of the stupidity of characters in real life and it's not just like the crazy conspiracy theorists it's people you would expect to be absolutely totally rational and reasonable just showing their whole assholes these past couple years and so like i no longer care when people make stupid decisions nope. in movies because i see it around me all the time i'm like yep Someone I would hear do that. You. Someone I would do that a lot. I totally hear you. And it's why I think I judge this movie a little harsher. Because again, how seriously it takes itself and all the characters. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. These aren't normal people in a stumbling into a situation like alien, like miners or cargo people. Like, these are people who came specifically to do this thing. Everything that happens in this movie was within the overall foreseeable variables. 
mm-hmm. of the mission. Like this is like a group of CDC hazmat people going <laughs> into an infection area and making all these dumb decisions. Like you're specifically supposed to be the people not to do this. Like the- I love Idris Elba. But I'm like, when he just leaves his, the people just stranded in the strange base to go have sex, like, I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I relate to I that may, the most. I, I would make that decision. I'm just like, I feel like that might come up on a performance review. I like actually started to wonder in my rewatch because I didn't remember many of the details of this movie. And I actually started to wonder during scenes like that is Idris Elba's character secretly a robot? Because this movie is unique opposed to the first Alien, where the robot reveal is very much a twist. Uh, you know, it, it started with the character who we we know, like, they get a great paint to tell us is a robot. And like, wait, but there could be a twist that, like, he's purposely acting, like, total, I, oh no, just incompetent, like, on purpose. I agree with that. I think it's possible. I don't think he's, like, a fancy Wayland yutani android. I think, though, he is a themed restaurant animatronic that then got his pilot's license. He's Bob's big boy. He's the Bob's Holy big shit. Boy. Holy shit. That's a... I mean, that's about as problematic as the movie already makes him, but... That fucking... I mean, that accent is crazy. Okay, but, we have to talk about that accent. Yeah. 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 I, like... It was interesting to see this movie in the wake of a more recent Idris Elba movie called Beats, where he <laughs> plays a... Which, by the way, Beats, if you like killer animal thrillers, good movie, fun time, I recommend it. It looks but, good. I mean, it looked like a simple premise that if executed right, could be really thrilling and exciting. And, and it is. But it's also very clear that even though uh, Idris Elba's character is explicitly stated to be American, that very early in the shoot, the director just stopped trying to remind him that he's <laughs> playing in America. He's from New England, didn't he? At a certain point, I even stopped hearing like, the accent, and it just becomes Idris Elba voice. And here, it's like he's mostly doing the Southern thing, but like it's very obvious that like he's trying to hold back his Britishness. And it's just so interesting to see that with a movie like Beast, where it's like occasionally there are parts where it's like he's kind of trying to be American and just mostly gives up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he's been doing it for a long time. He knows what his strengths and weaknesses are. That actually brings up a lot of very important things about his character, the representation of people of color in the movie. You know, if he was a robot then that would be the most representation that we would have because all of the robots so far in the entirety of the alien universe have been like old white dudes. And Michael Fassbender is the youngest. Not if we count Blade Runner. Winona Ryder was, oh wait, she was, wait, Ridley Scott didn't direct that one. Never mind. You're right. You're right. right. Well, but it's still, okay. So that was, she, that's a good point. She is in the alien universe. He didn't direct that one. However, she's okay. Old white dudes. Out of like all of the other ones. Young white girl. Yeah, who kind of is basically like the chibi version of Michael Fassbender. Like that's hashtag true. Android oh so well. I love that character. Okay. I love Winona Ryder's character. I just love Winona Ryder. Yeah, me too. Who doesn't? I mean, I love it when she writes the Pike letters on the wall and the Christmas lights. Yeah, I like her in a lot of things. So androids. 
Do they dream of electric sheep? Do they dream of electric sheep? <laughs> Apparently not. They dream everyone else's dreams. <laughs> so, which is so upsetting. Which is that's okay, wild. Okay. That's invasive. When people say, like, is Shaw the main character through whom we see the movie? No. David is the main character. David is the movie's protagonist. Even that whole movie, he's trying to be an antagonist. He's, like, basically spending the first 15 minutes of the movie trying to figure out how to be evil. And, like, also good at basketball. But mostly evil. And he's, like, watching British people. Really? I don't know. Evil basketball. I don't know the name of the old British man. He's a very famous British man. Wasn't that Lawrence of Arabia? Yes, it was Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Like, anyone else... I'm sorry. Did anyone else especially on their first watch through spend the entire film waiting for that Lawrence of Arabia line. He repeats like about like, certainly it hurts. The trick is not minding that it hurts. Oh like, yeah. It, was anyone just waiting the whole movie for that to be made into a callback? That should have been a never came. Should have been like, it felt like it was just begging. Yeah. To be a callback, especially as he just kept getting creepier and creepier. Yeah. Also, someone said a small step for mankind. And I'm like, that's not the fucking line. I don't know if you're trying to invert things here, bud, but it's not the fucking line. Fucking well, Charlie Halloway. That's the stupidest man in the world. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's our, our yes. biologist. Oh, my God. Hey, okay. how did the weed spacesuit work? And where can I get one? Oh, it's a vape. That's a vape chamber. Okay. But I want to go back to Michael Fassbender. Oh, there you go. He's he's, he's he's uh he's treated like the protagonist of this film, even though he's supposed to be the antagonist. Like Jeremy was saying about this biologist, or maybe it was Ben. Someone I, I'm fuging out. I don't know. This movie will do that to you. Yeah. So the biologist is like, "Fuck this room full of alien bodies that I came here specifically to study." But I'll look at the phallus and talk to it like it's a puppy. And Michael Fassbender's character, who's obviously doing his own shit. And doesn't have a better group of people to help him fuck everything up because everybody is really dumb. So it kind of makes him look like he is, in fact, advanced. And then he's also trying to be like, he's also talking about the superiority of the race of the engineers and like (laughs) dyeing himself blonde and shit and trying to be more like a colonial fucking British guy and talking to people like they don't matter. And then he's like, oh, but the world... Oh, look at this and this music, this weird fucking Star Wars music is happening where he's like, oh, 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 oh. and he's enjoying a laser light show. He's in a different movie. Yes, he's in a different movie where he's the protagonist. And it's really weird messaging because I'm like, there's a lot of like weird, bad kind of like eugenic kind of shit that's they're really dipping into here and michael fassbender's character is right in there and like at the end of the movie we're still he's still like oh uh, can you can you help me shaw let's go to the stars together (laughs) and then she's like okay michael's head i mean david's head and i just this movie is not in conclusion this movie (laughs) is not decisive enough for his character to Makes sense other than just to be a weird android to look at him doing things and go, wonder what that's about. It, it really feels like the, both the writers and the director and Fazbender just fell in love with the character and just couldn't stop giving him more screen time. Yeah. This movie is fucking Chekhov's gun show. Like, <laughs> it's fucking Chekhov's artillery range. Like, it's just fucking... Chekhov's guns everywhere. 
none of which ever fire. Like, <laughs> it's like my, fucking David poisons Charlie Holloway with the silvery goo. Why? We don't so know. So that he can then there fuck a squid no baby. I think it was just to fuck around and find out. Yeah. He just like, yeah. yep. He just drops that shit in his drink. And like, there's no end game there. Like, he starts getting he drunk, and he's like, "What oh, happened? Interesting." <laughs> yeah. So this, this was the, the, the other thing about me, like, really liking this movie the first time I saw it. You know, I was in theater. I couldn't like pause it or rewind to be like, "Wait, was that thing explained?" Like, <laughs> hey, this conversation doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Like, maybe if I listen to it again, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll grasp it more. I assumed that, like, because I really like the ideas that are being suggested. I was like, oh, if I just watch it again more closely, <laughs> it'll start to make sense. And then and, with Shaw, yeah, like, yeah. When Shaw is somehow suddenly pregnant after having sex with Charlie, and, like, she's pregnant the next day, like, they do, he does an ultrasound on her, and apparently he looked at it and like, well, that's a wild fucking squid baby. I cannot tell her about that. Got to make sure that gets born. And <laughs> oh, he like, is jazzed about squid best, baby. This is best to keep her from like getting rid of the squid baby. But then when she gets it cut out and just shows up in his room later on, he's like, "Huh, he survived. Wild." Yeah, he doesn't ask about the squid baby. Doesn't ask what happened. Doesn't go back to check to see if the squid baby is extracted somewhere running around the ship. He's yeah. just like. Well, I'm actually here to do what I'm theoretically here to do in this movie, <laughs> which is find the one living art, uh, find the one living engineer, and deliver old ass Guy Pierce to him, and that's it. Like that's his purpose here is to find the engineer and deliver Guy Pierce to him. He just tortures all these human beings for shits and giggles. Really quick, I just have to say, good old shits and gigs. Indeed, that that now Shaw was like asking the question. Of you know, she wanted to ask the engineers why, and then she's like, "Well, they made us, and now they want to kill us. Why? This is me." Meanwhile, fastback. (laughs) Meanwhile, David just going the whole movie having lines like, "Doesn't everyone want to see their parents dead?" (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's just like, "Oh, David, you silly robot." Also, the fucking Wayland hologram at the beginning is like, "I don't have any children. The only children that I have is my robot." And then we find out that Charlene, Charlize Theron is his daughter. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> what <laughs> okay, happened here? This thing to a son he has. Oh, that's yeah. a loophole. Also, was anyone else really weirded out seeing Charlize in a normal haircut? No. Uh, I, yeah, it's been a while. Good. doesn't do it very often anymore. Yeah. The thing I thought would be revealed was that um, <laughs> there's a scene of David talking with the, his sunglasses to, to old guy Pierce. And so I thought like him trying to birth this alien was like his actual mission. And then when it's revealed that his actual mission is to find, find senpai so that old guy Pierce can have senpai notice him. It feels like there's a third entity who may have reprogrammed David to be like, all right, you do what you're supposed to do, but also we want to weaponize this somehow. Well, that led to what, for me, was one of the most confusing exchanges I had with David and other characters. Because at the end, like, you know, Shaw, you know, is trying to figure out why the engineers changed their minds about creating humans. And David is like, the answer is irrelevant. 
And she, he's like, why do you need to know? And she's like, well, I guess the answer, my need for an answer is what makes me human. And you a robot. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you a robot, bitch. That felt, I'm like, that felt robot-ist. <laughs> it, 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 it did feel weirdly like mean. not just what she's but also like the way she said it. like she said yeah, it in yeah. like a bigoted tone <laughs> she said that uh, with a hard r you know yeah. <laughs> also makes me put the kind of robots also, also recontextualizes the conversation she had with idris elba where she's like don't you want to know and he's like i don't care with david thinking the answer is irrelevant how like, even for a robot, a species creating another species and deciding they don't like that species, like, look, I'm not a robot maker, but mm-hmm. I, it, it just feels like if his mission is to find out stuff about the origin of humanity, why would he ignore that component? Well, I think you have to remember from his point of view, he is a person who has spent his entire life knowing exactly why his creators created him, and it is an incredibly unsatisfactory answer. I mean, that I mean, is one of the more interesting parents. things about the movie. The, the wild thing started. to me, yeah. and oh, there's yeah. so David. many wild things in this movie, <laughs> but the wild thing to me to think about that's revealed in the ending credits of this movie is that it is an origin story for the aliens from Alien, and the origin is... This cyborg was playing TikTok pranks on the other people on his ship. <laughs> and that's how aliens. Like it was just like, no, I'm fucking, I made you drink poisonous goo. <laughs> and it, that's how we can get like the real that, try that is <laughs> as hilarious as that is, that is what kind of legitimately angers me about this movie is how much smaller it makes the world of alien. It takes yeah. like wow. Haha, I mean, you give birth this to a squid monster. <laughs> unknown eras from impossibly long ago. Who knows? Something that was just like almost the monstrous embodiment of the unknowable vast horrorness of space. And now, oh no, actually just a robot humans made 200 years ago did it with some good cracks. You got you the squid baby. I was really... Hope during the rather horrifying uh, self defection scene that the little robo surgeon they had after quote unquote delivering the squid baby was gonna be like, Congratulations, she is beautiful. <laughs> it's a squid, or at least, wow, that's well, like, quote, it would have done that, but the because there's a plot point the surgery pod was set to male physiology. Because, which is our very clever foreshadowing that old man Guy Pierce is on the ship. Yeah. Which is a twist that I don't give two shits about. No, this <laughs> no. doesn't matter. None of the <laughs> twists matter. Like, I feel like I run through like every plot point in this movie. And I'm like, none of these matter. Like, I don't, I can't tell at what point the plot starts to matter. They spend so much time on old man Guy Pierce. Like, he talks to the. He talks to him through the little visor thing. And then, like, him, David and Meredith have, like, an argument over him where they don't say who it is. But, of course, it's the one other fucking character that matters. Yeah. Like, that we've seen in his little thing. He goes out of his way to be like, by the time you guys come back to Earth, I'm going to be dead because I'm sick. And then, like, (laughs) 
he they revive him and it's like oh they haven't actually figured out any way to fix him he just wants to go meet he just wants to go meet yoked god um, guy <laughs> help me live more guy pierce's <laughs> plan is fucking bonkers does he have one i'm pretty sure guy pierce's absolutely bonkers ass plan is step one meet yoke alien god step two question mark step three immortality yeah i'm pretty sure that's it as well and i feel like we we've you mentioned it subtly in the recap but i feel like the most apt metaphor for this entire movie is this fucking round spaceship roll after the two surviving main characters Charlize there and elizabeth shaw and the two of them just running forward in the same direction. <laughs> yep. Where are they going? The dark <laughs> robot. They're but not it's... physicists. <laughs> Come on. That physics shit. <laughs> tell I me about even the first time I watched <laughs> the movie, I'm just mentally <laughs> screaming at the theater screen. To the left, go, go. run. Left. To the left. Yeah. No, no, so no, you have the dodge roll button. Hit triangle. Hit triangle. Yeah. I will say, Event Horizon has better science. <laughs> oh my god! Right. Movie. I would do the credit of this scene, of which is once again characters that are supposed to be smart acting real, real dumb. The like the seconds of Charlie's actually being crushed under it are very like terrifying. Especially there's this one low angle shot where it's like really just like coming down on her, and you and I don't know. Especially if you're claustrophobic, it's only a few seconds long, but it is very effectively shot and directed. Yeah, at the point that she falls down in front of it, you're like, oh, well, now it makes sense that she would die. But up to that point, she is just running from it in the exact same direction that it is rolling, despite the fact that it's about eight feet wide. And if she were to (laughs) dodge roll to either side, she would be completely safe, which is Shaw only has to roll like three times to be completely out of the way. Yeah, Shaw, who has had her stomach cut open and restapled in the last 30 minutes is able to jump out of the way of this thing and Charlize Theron who I guess has been just sitting around having sex with Felba who I don't know maybe that just takes it out of you probably <laughs> probably like, does this is on this is out of the way is that the first time Charlize leaves the ship the whole movie I uh, think I'm yeah. to pod. catch people on fire other than that <laughs> yeah yeah like again you could got her out of the movie entirely and nothing changes but to be fair, it's really hard for someone like Idris Elba to find someone to have sex with. Yeah. Old but- man Guy Pierce. <laughs> Michael Fossbender's right there. I mean, maybe I'm uh, just judging from the oh. hair, but I'm guessing Benedict Wong would be down too. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do appreciate this is like a pretty classic before they were famous for Benedict Wong. Yeah. Though I appreciate that. He gets more lines than the other nameless pilot. I forgot that there was another pilot. Yeah, there was another pilot. Yeah. There's like, okay, he Idris Elba, you get a cool line to go out on. Benedict Wong, you get a cool line to go out on. Third guy, just keep staring. You're doing great, buddy. He's actually listed ahead of him in the credits, too, which is crazy. Like, <laughs> and, uh, Benedict Wong is playing, like, skater punk navigator. Wonger <laughs> like, is a skater boy. <laughs> This is the kind of thing, like, if I got to interview Benedict Wong, I'd ask him no questions about the MCU and exclusively questions about Prometheus. I don't do that. 
I mean, this isn't so bad that it's like a weach situation for him, but I'd just be like, put my hand on his shoulder and be like, it's okay. Imagine signing up for a movie in the time this movie was made in 2012, and they're like, hey, we want you to be in this movie. It's written by Damon Lindelof, you know, the guy from Lost, and it's directed by Ridley fucking Scott. And you'd be like, shit, my career is made. I've got it from here. <laughs> Not a problem. I'm going to be in the best movie that comes out in 2012. And then finding it's yourself that- making this movie. Like, like, again ridley scott's like hollywood won't give me hundred million dollar budgets i'm like they did it twice recently and it wasn't great either time i i am very much a passionate last duel defender and that was a really oh i was very few people thought i honestly forgot about last duel i just meant prometheus and alien covenant oh yeah the last duel was an expensive failure yeah a lot of other people I have heard like Medieval Boston, but like, yeah, I, he made that back to back with House of Gucci, which has the most accents. It has more accents than this movie. <laughs> oh, that is just accent galore. That Are we so talking about accents, accents or quote unquote accents? <laughs> yes. It has so many quote unquote accents. I am surprised Tom Hardy didn't just bust out the floor. God bless you, Tom Hardy, and your five voices per scene in Venom. <laughs> ben Affleck did not try to have a medieval French accent in The Last Duel, and the movie is so much better for it. I don't mean that in a snarky way. Ben Affleck is so good as this like totally anachronistic character. In the last duel, it you fucking bite your thumb at me, bro. <laughs> I think that I think that's the right call because I think you're really in like Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, Keanu Reeves, much to do about nothing territory. Yeah, otherwise, of Apple, like trying to do that, French accent. The only problem with that in last duel is that Matt Damon is trying to do a different thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Matt Damon, oh, no, Matt Damon's character in the movie is like kind of a dumbass so like him having this very silly accent perhaps not intentionally does work from the movie so y'all is last duel a feminist movie i don't know i haven't seen wait have i seen it wait is it new or is it a remake of the one with harvey Keitel? it came out last summer which i know because after a beach trip i took four of my friends to see it with me and everyone hated it but me okay Given everything we know and all the knowledge we have after the end of the movie, why did the engineers come back multiple times or just one time and go on tour around the Earth and be like, hey, ancient humans, how's it going? Check out these stars. I know you can't even do flight, never mind intergalactic travel, but uh, don't don't go to them and make sure to put in your caves and... (laughs) All your ancient paintings not to go to these planets. Oh, you don't know what planets are? Okay. Like, I'm how did that sure. work? Like, how and why did the engineers coming back it's like, work? It's like, hey, and man. why did they do the cave paintings? He's just like, that's my house over there. You can see it from here. Check it out. That's my fucking house, man. It was <laughs> either like a totally stoned engineer or <laughs> like an engineer. Yeah, engineer whistleblower. He's like, oh, listen, <laughs> you're being engineered. See those motherfuckers? 
it's like, I just don't get it. Like, why did you go specifically to ancient humans to tell them not to go to a place they had no hope of ever going to? Like, theoretically, we see the dude at the beginning, who my wife insists on calling Prometheus, get melted and have all of his stuff go into the water and, I guess, create life. And then I guess a whole bunch of other aliens, or maybe just one, went around to all the other countries and is like, they got these stars! And then... I guess at some point in there, the other aliens were like, fuck, we gotta kill these assholes. Like, they're bad. Like, humans I mean, are we, bad. Yeah. We fucked up on this one, guys. I mean, we gotta get blame right. Agreed. <laughs> Again, like, did they have to wait millions of years? Like, if they were hoping to get to us, did they have to go through the dinosaurs? Did they have to go through millions of years of being like, guys, I don't think we're getting humans. No, they're still doing the giant lizard thing. I think mean, that's what they were after, again, like, is the giant lizards. Like, are we? Are they also like a, a salamander? <laughs> are they also a perfect DNA match to like pterodactyls? How does this? Are they a perfect like DNA match to koalas? If they are also equally descendants of this, like, we, we how were, is this supposed to work given evolution? We, we were probably an unexpected byproduct because if you remember that mural, that dope ass mural that they did, they were trying to make the ultimate killer. So we were probably a mistake. That was my interpretation. <laughs> like they prayed to this death God that looks like the alien queen mother in that moving mural thing. And so I didn't, I couldn't even tell my theory. My theory is that like, we are not supposed to be here. Like the dinosaurs were supposed to be the thing. And then they got bloated. Mm. And then we somehow got through that. And so like, when we show up on the door, it's like, get out <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've long believed humans are a glitch in the system. Just being oh. like, oh no, these monkeys like learn how to throw and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. This whole world's fucked now. I really think this movie has solved a lot of problems, uh, at least in terms of like it making sense. <laughs> if there was just some kind of line where it was explained that the engineers did not anticipate humans being as terrible as we are. And even if, you know, they initially hoped that we would all be dinosaurs forever. Like, if it just was like, they observed how terribly we treated each other and our planet for, you know, however many thousands of years humans have that thing. And we're just like, okay, we have to do everything we can to make sure they don't have anything to do with us because they will ruin it but there's yeah. nothing in the film that has anything to do with that morality no it doesn't i'm just saying it would make more yeah. if when they wake up the last surviving alien he fucking said something instead of right he immediately just rips off the cyborg's head and starts murdering people amazing amazing guys- like again i cannot tell you the joy I feel every time he rips off David's head and then just beats old man Guy Pierce to death with it. It's a glorious bit of violence. Like, look, this movie delivers on dumb people dying in wonderfully, like, creative yet dumb ways. Squished by Donut Ship, fantastic. Oh, my the effect with the acid just like melting the space helmet into the dude's face incredible effect and making like, him even that. more feral like 
Why? Yes. Uh, he's a full. <laughs> why is he a fold-up zombie? I don't know why he had to fold up at first. Like that was a strange element, but I'm into it. Again, this isn't a very funny criticism, but a legitimate criticism I have of this movie as a horror film. I feel like this movie just really likes just introducing red shirts as needed. Like in Alien, it spends a while letting you know every person that is on the crew, everyone who's there, and every death is meaningful. Because you know if every person killed that someone you spent time with, and you also know how much of the crew is then left as they dwindle down one by one. And we don't have to have that much time on each of them either in in Alien. There's no fucking basketball montage of fucking Ash going around being like, you know. (laughs) Prometheus is constantly introducing new security (laughs) personnel. Or, oh, look, old man Guy Pierce also has his nurse and attendant. Like, where the fuck were they staying? Oh, I forgot about those extras. Where the fuck were they? (laughs) But only David can wash his feet. Yeah, like, as characters die, it doesn't feel like, oh, this is a steadily dwindling team and things get more desperate with every death. It's just like, oh, there's some more, like, people who died. I didn't even catch their faces. I don't know their names. But, uh, yeah, that was a pretty cool death, I guess. Like, it it just desensitizes you to what should be a source of tension. It has as much care with the characters as it does with the religious symbolism. Which is on the same level as Evangelion. <laughs> Fucking. Flick, I guess. Shots fired. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Fucking Sele's plan for the third impact made more sense than Waylon's fucking <laughs> whatever he was trying to do. His motivation. Sele's motivation was clearer, okay? Evangelion's fucking plot was clearer than this movie's fucking motivations. One of the many, many, many great things about the first Alien movie, even though, as I keep saying, like, it's a Prometheus was best if you don't think of it as an Alien movie, is that it's such a simple yet effective condemnation of, like, capitalism. Because you've got this crew where there's a woman in charge. For a 1979 movie, it's pretty diverse, and they're all just ultimately victims of this very coldly calculating corporation that just wants to throw bodies at their the sacrificial fire for their own corporate interests. Yeah, and so by, I, by robot Bilbo. Yeah, and yeah. this very like kind of lateral organization. And so this was a movie where there's more of like a hierarchy, even than aliens, where you know you've got all these space marines. And I was really hoping that there would be like a thematic point to that, kind of like how the different George Romero Night of the Living Dead movies all kind of attack a different sort of corporate institution. And it's so disappointing that it's just like, no, they just needed, <laughs> they just needed expendable characters and more <laughs> important characters. Well, yeah. It's also like once you know that like the CEO himself and his daughter is on board. You'd think, like, Idris Elba feels like a captain they picked up at, like, a truck stop. Like, yeah. You'd think they'd have, like, a, maybe a more professional military crew. Than well, I do have to say, this. he and his bridge crew are the only heroes in this movie. They do yeah, nobly the sacrifice themselves to do exactly what NASA just did to a, a comet. Or <laughs> right. <a rock. laughs> no, they are like, let's fucking crash this thing. Like, Admiral Holdo 
right into the fucking side of the ship. Yeah. They are. And while awesome. the ghost they... dinosaurs are just like listening to Mad World, like wow. <laughs> they get the badass heroic sacrifice. Like you know it's serious because Idris Elba puts on a hat. It's Our awesome. It is a Idris Elba it is Benedict a... Wong and the other guy. Like listen, this would be a great scene. Even like in a good movie, and it's still at least a good scene here. But if we're going to go into some progressive politics here, if we talk about like racial representation movie, racial representation movie, if we talk about racial representation in this movie, mm-hmm. representation movie, that, that, yeah, this is not that, that my favorite genre. Yeah. <laughs> this is not that genre. No, <laughs> that feels like when people go, I'm like, oh, is this book LGBTQ? I'm like, yeah, all of them. Yep, yep. all of them, every single one plus. Look at it, Swiss. So much fucking plus in plus. it. Just like Hunter Yeager brought it right back around. It is it's merciful. <laughs> it's merciful that those fucking epic movies and shit like that ended before we got to queer movie and oh uh, represent- racial representation movie. <laughs> yes. Okay, so. Racial representation in this movie. The only characters of color are the people working on the shit, which we assume are working class people. Also, the decision that Idris Elba, the decision that is made by whom, I don't know, that Idris Elba is Southern, question mark, and is really obsessed with his Stephen Stills concertina. Like, okay. And then they all sacrifice themselves to save the white woman. Well, they sacrifice themselves to save the The entire earth. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, like they were also going to just be like, well, if we crash their ship, you are also now just stranded on this awful in death world. But I think she, at that point survived. it was heroic sacrifice all around. Yeah. But yeah, was, I mean it yeah. was it was not I mean, they also had like significantly less screen time. I mean, Idris Elba had the most screen time of all of those characters. I think he had a name. Also, I'm gonna take Janet. a guess. I have no evidence to back this up. Tell a guess. I'm gonna guess. The New Orleans accent was Idris's idea, and I'm yes. going to guess that the Crosby, Stills, and Nash bit was Ridley Scott's idea. Yeah. Did also, you know that Ridley is singing the song again as he goes, as like he does the heroic sacrifice. I thought that was a fun bit that he's still singing the song. Yeah. Ridley Scott also made a movie about duelists in 1978 called The Duelists. And I don't know if it's the same movie, but anyway. No, that's got to be in the same universe as the last two. It's, it's all in the same universe. He fucked himself, though. He can't continue the series now. He already did the last one. Yeah. Well, he do a well, prequel, the second, the first duel. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is just a Cain and Abel movie. <laughs> the penultimate. The last duel, Requiem. Yeah. So the the representation ain't great. No. That is what I am saying. Logan Marshall Green gives us our boring white boy representation. Is that there's anything? a lot of there's a lot of boring but white the, boys in this. But there point. was that that's that's a crewmate that we don't remember. It does need to be said because Logan Marshall Green is not a very famous actor, and I don't want to get a bad rap. The movie The Invitation, which came out just a few years after this one, much much better Logan Marshall Green performance. Like he actually emotes. It's amazing. Mm. Oh, Red. Also, he is the lead actor in Upgrade, a movie I have heard oh, nothing but phenomenal things about. Yeah. I'm sorry we're bagging on you for this yeah. movie, but congrats on kicking ass in Upgrade. No, Upgrade was a lot of fun. He was so good in that. Where was yeah. that guy? Invitation uh, is a Karen Kusama movie. Like, Yeah. No, all fans of Karen Kusama. I really think you guys would love it. I think it's I think it's rarer than Jennifer's Body by a lot, personally. Ooh. 
no, I don't mean that with any disrespect to Jennifer's no, body. I mean, I've seen the invitation. It's not nearly as much fun yeah. as Jennifer's body. That No, it's a very different tone. It's a very different tone. But I think if you guys uh, did for uh, the show, you'd have a lot to talk about. In a good way. In a very good way. Yeah. Another thing about the representation in this movie is that you have, and I mentioned the fact that the engineers are white. They're also all men, as far as we know. The only one that we see naked has a dick. It is visible. For some reason, I swore the engineers had just, like, Ken doll crotches. I don't know why. I, no, there but I, I swore. Like, I, I was wrong. We don't get to see utterly smooth Barbie doll crotch. But for some reason, I could just swear that these were giant, buff, white-out people <laughs> that also had no junk. In the very beginning, when he's, like, dissolving, we see yeah. a, a Wang. Are there any? I haven't seen Covenant. That's yet, the that's what made us. The, we uh, came from the Wang DNA. Are there any female engineers that show up in Covenant? Because I know there's like an opening scene where they're engineers and like David's like, ha ha, bitches. I don't remember. I don't remember that. I, all I remember, honestly, all I remember that movie is Michael Fassbender's cute little lab and then him making out with himself. Nice. But yeah. Well, I'm watching so, that now after this. Oh my god, I, I feel like that one's a better one, even though uh, there's more fucking aliens in it, for starters. Yeah. But the engineers, the only aliens that we actually have in this movie, which are the engineers, which are tall white dudes, there is a, a old spiritualist belief that kind of got scrambled up with UFOs, conspiracy theories, and stuff like that, that there's an alien race that's looking after mankind called the Tall Whites. Ooh. And they're also known as Nordic Aliens. And a lot of that comes from, like, Madame Blavatsky's whole shit. Madame Blavatsky was an old occultist that influenced a lot of the spiritualists back in the day. And also Hitler. Whoops. Um, Bastards did a podcast on her. Yeah, yeah. So Behind the Bastards. Yeah, Behind the Bastards, yes. Because her idea about Aryans and... Like how mankind supposedly descended from like these angelic beings, and the closer the wider we are, the closer we are to these beings is all in her shit. Yeah, and it's rough. And that seeing that, and also like that echoed with these like fucking engineers. I don't know if it is on purpose. It's one of those things like the Illuminati where we don't always, those of us who aren't familiar with like how the Illuminati can get scrambled into like super anti-Semitic conspiracy theories and things like that. And just trust me, everything can be spun into an anti-Semitic. Absolutely. Theory. Conspiracy theories like life will find a way. Yes. To be anti-Semitic. Yes. Anyway. So that is especially problematic for me. You know, that on top of Michael Fassbender's whole fucking trip about being like blonde and superior and like perfectly manicured and perfectly obedient, but also wants to kill his father and become like superior as well. I, yeah, it's, yeah, I, it's a lot going off of the discussion of the engineers. Like the most disappointing thing about this movie, honestly, like, you know, it's fine that it's stupid. Like I'm fine with (laughs) being stupid, but like, the most disappointing thing to me about this movie is the design because like the face hugger is such an elegant practical effect. Like it's done so well in that first movie and in aliens. And every time it pops up, you're like, Oh shit. 
Like, it's that weird puppet, but it's gonna fucking kill us. Like, it's a weird spider puppet thing. And it's like, oh, like, that's the thing that's scary. Like, the xenomorphs are scary, but not in the same way the facehuggers are scary. And they, we trade them in for these snakes, which I can only possibly call face fuckers at this point. <laughs> like, they, 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 are, they forget oh. the hugging. They just leap straight in. I will say, if there, gentle caress. if there is a content warning for sexual assault, it is entirely on the part of these snakes and, like, giant squid <laughs> monsters. Oh, yeah. But they yeah. don't say fuck. Like in their at all in the fucking like so how wild would it be if the giant squid monster just starts saying ah like opens its six I don't know vagina mouth eyes (laughs) just yell (laughs) 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 yeah they they trade in face huggers and xenomorphs for these face fucking angry vagina snakes and ashy Hulk ashy Ashy Hulk Hulk. yeah (laughs) ashy Hulk and then whatever the fuck like the closest thing to a decent design in this is the, you know, giant evil squid things. And mostly they're off, like mostly they're CGI or off screen tentacles. Like, and it's like, like, I don't know. I've seen that before. They're love something. They're love yeah. horror movies with evil squid. Like, yeah. I, just imagining David looking at the squid being like, I guess it's kind of ultimate life form. I feel like we could go more ultimate life form. Like between him and like young Bilbo, I don't know fully what it means, but it's interesting that we now have a recurring element of androids having this like almost like religious experience in relation to the Xenomorph. And I just feel, I feel like I don't know what's going on there, but again, I do wonder if it minimizes it given what we know about the future one, which is like, oh, well, David created them. This unknowable, unlike terror, which is made by an Earth robot. This Earth well, robot took on what came like, out. It must have happened yeah. unfathomably long ago. Nah, 20, 2090s. There, there had to be some kind of uh, symbolism with David's name, right? Like biblical symbolism. I don't remember enough about... Okay, so yes, I can answer this. I can answer this one. Please do. So, again, this is based off, like, cut cut script material or stuff that wasn't filmed. Apparently, the idea is that Wayland got the idea to name him David after being inspired by Leonardo da Vinci's statue of David. That Michelangelo did David. Michelangelo... It's supposed to be that Wayland Yutani is inspired by Michelangelo's statue of David... And you can just edit it in the second take and not the take where I said the wrong name. Yeah, um, I mean, it's just so, like, it's just like naming the ship Prometheus, right? Like, it's just like the most so on-the-nose referential shit. Very on-the-nose. And also, at the time, I think he broke it with Alien Covenant. But at the time, there was a running theme that e- the android of each movie, their name started with the first, like, letter. So... You know, what? like, what's the, what's Bilbo's name in the first alien? Ash. So, yeah, you had Ash, and then you had Bishop. Bishop. So, since this was, I guess, in a way, in some way that... Wait. Oh, because, and then there wasn't one in three, and no, then you had... Bishop was in three, but, wait. But there wasn't a new android to get the C name. I think the C name came for Sigourney Weaver. Not no, Sigourney Weaver, name, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that yeah, all the androids have so, the, on the movie. Okay, I get what yeah. you're saying. Her name was Cole. Yeah, so it goes like A, B, C. So this is so since 
Fastbender is the fourth android. He is David for D. So that's also part of just keeping up that naming convention. But then the next movie introduces another Fastbender named Walter. So either they decide to fuck the hey. naming convention or you only get one per actor. I guess. And like the next alien will be like, hey, I'm a robot Evan. What up? Evan is the worst name for an android. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except <laughs> Evangelion. <laughs> uh, his name is Evan Gellion. Yeah. <laughs> that is me, Evan G. Not. <laughs> I'm just imagining my dad's friend named Evan, like being a robot. I the, the fluid joke that will literally only work for my dad. So you can cut this out. <laughs> I assume your dad listens to every episode, and we want to make sure. We're appealing to that target audience. So, anyone have anything else they want to really like dive into, or should we kind of tackle some of the themes? I did want to know if you guys think that this film is feminist. That's where I was going to talk about. Oh, okay. Uh, So we're actually we're all in agreement that we're ready to talk. I do have one very quick story that I'd like to share. Yeah, Uh, is it about Evan? I swear to fuck God, it's better about Evan. Motherfucker, I want Evan stories. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think there's an Evan Silver. I had that coming. Anyway, so as I mentioned, I saw this pretty blind-ish. Well, like more blind than I would have had I been more online when I came out in 2012. And I went with my brother, who is two and a half younger than him, than me. And Jed's not like harm. Like actively avoid them. But we went to see this movie. Like, we didn't even know it would be a horror movie, I don't think. But in that last shot where you see a glimpse of the baby alien from Alien, he was like, oh, wait, was that the Predator? Nah! And I had to explain to him, like, you were close because our dad had shown up the first Predator movie when we were way too young. And At the like, best uh, time to watch Predator, though, when you're way yeah. too young to watch Predator. That's exactly when you should watch Predator. I think I think I was like eight, which would have made my brother perfect. At the oldest, six years old. That's Even better. Time to run around yelling, you do the chopper! <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, a slightly different franchise. I do know that someone had asked Ridley Scott once in an interview, like, if this movie would have anything to do with the Alien vs. Predator movie, which I did see in the lead-up to this episode. And Ridley Scott just laughed in their face. But I he did love, say no. love those. They are dumb as hell, but I fucking love them. Talk about a movie where they don't say fuck. The Alien vs. Predator, the first one, is rated PG-13. Yeah. He discovered last week Oof. that movie is Oof. responsible for the existence of Event Horizon. Because... Uh-oh. Paul W.S. Anderson did that movie and they wouldn't let him show any kind of blood or guts or cut. So he was like, the next movie I do, I want it to be a sci-fi horror movie. And so he made Event Horizon instead of making the X-Men film. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, we talked a lot about that alternate universe where he did make the X-Men film. Making X-Men. And it was well, I... like, no, not unless I get to have Wolverine say fuck. So he made Event Horizon instead. If you look at it in a particular way, I mean, we have the evil baby trope. Not great. We have the evil oh, baby trope. God. We somehow that... have evil baby and weird infertility makes me less of a person. Can we yeah. talk about the two minutes of this movie where Idris Elba tells the two guys that are lost in the death tunnel not to bugger each other? Oh, yeah, that was the best. cut directly to the couple being like, but we can't have a baby. And I was like, 
fuck is yeah. happening all of a sudden? Yeah. So like, then, this is movie until then. And the I way, wasn't, but... God, I was the, ready to see that geologist punch somebody. I was ready to see them fuck. I was thinking the same thing on the second watch there. I was like, they're getting real close to each other. Why aren't they making out? Yeah. Oh, because their helmets are on. Oh. They made out with the face fucker. Maybe that was all symbolic and that was all in their minds. And that's just their projection. Anyway, so we have evil baby trope. The bugger each other thing goes in the bad score for LGBTQIA plus what? representation. I, what is the bad baby trope? The baby. The bad baby trope. Oh, the evil baby trope evil is, baby is trope. like vilifying the whole idea of birth oh, and making okay. talking about how birth Sometimes is like monstrous body. And yeah, and while like I, it's in certain cases, like I think it's very interesting. And you know, I'm really into body horror and things like that. And as somebody who has to deal with like menstruation and uteruses and shit, multiple, I don't ask any questions. I. Was it need a backup on one. It. I get it. The, I get it. The one yeah. thing is they managed to sidestep evil baby trope in the original Alien by having John Hurt be the one that gets pregnant. And yeah. <laughs> gets the baby. Yeah. It, it's, it's like a, a, a dramatic thing, too. Yeah. And I still love the scene where they reveal that she's infertile, like where Charlie's just being like, oh, yeah, like these engineers, they can make whole species and like bring life to worlds. Like, they can create life. Like, that's cool shit. And Charlie just was like, Charlie, I can produce life. I'm like, that's not what he meant, and you fucking know it. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. fucking shoehorned in. And then, like, so she gets her wish to have a baby. And, but she immediately, like, uh, everything about her doesn't make sense until like this one time where he, she's like oh yeah that's a demon baby i'm gonna cesarean section myself which that doesn't really feel like it matches with the character well i felt like again like i agree it doesn't match the character or, like, or the themes but i did feel like it worked in the sense of just like oh well logically she's like oh i'm suddenly uh, impregnate that shouldn't be possible it's happened overnight, but is now apparently three months developed, and the father got poisoned by alien goo and just, like, really gnarly died. Like, whatever is inside of me cannot be good. This is not a miracle, baby. This is every fact is leading to this is something very fucked up inside of me. Yeah. So I got it from a pure medical science being i'm like yeah you should get that out asap which is the most scientific she's ever been in her entire career is in this movie she has yeah. faith yeah it, that, that's the thing it's like can't, she can't just believe choose to believe that the baby's gonna be like her magical squid baby like it's not What if that squid baby cured cancer i mean it technically <laughs> does if you did you don't have cancer but then, yeah but, so the only other Notable female character we have is Meredith Vickers. Who was not sexualized because... Or no, I'm thinking of the other We one. have Lady yeah. Aaron, who doesn't even get her own death scene. She just gets shoved really hard by, like, the engineer. Oh, right. That's yeah. Dr. Lee. Oh, the one who I kept having to remind myself that just because I saw the witch a bunch of times doesn't mean that <laughs> the only thing I can think of her as the, the crazy mob from The Witch yeah, well, she's a queen from the Green Knight, you know? Yeah. I do love when sure. they bring, uh, like, a severed head back to life. That's pretty crazy. And also seems like it should break the Geneva Convention. Oh, yeah, that whole part, that whole part was 
a lot too. Like, I mean, I don't even talk about that shit because it's so bananas. Honestly, like that's one of the early experiments, and this is also canon to the Futurama universe, actually. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, we just simply reverse the process. So they yeah. explode the heads, and then they put them in jars. You start um, with the exploded head, and then you put it back together. Yeah, like a transporter, but. Okay, so, so. Uh, Meredith Vickers sucks, is a terrible character, and her only motivation, it seems, is wanting to beat her sort of cyborg brother to running her dad's company, but also she has to make sure that he is dead first. Also, uh, she has to go along on the right. Trying to make a King Lear thing happen, but it's not actually happening. I also sure want to point out that she is a badass, yes. She's is she? What does she do that's badass? Or do we just think she's a badass because she's Charlie Baron, and we've seen her be a badass in better movies? She said, "Let's do fire." I can do push-ups and like. Okay, she sets a man on fire who is actively asking to be set yes. on fire and does push-ups. <laughs> but okay, I can do push-ups. Mo- I'm not a badass. I can't do push-ups, but Charlie Theron can. So there's one. Two. She is one of the more dis- her doing push-ups and like delivering things like a badass, and then having nothing to fucking do in the story. Right. Is worse than her not being there. Yes, but she is a badass because she is decisive and she has a pretty good delivery on her lines. That's those are my definitions that I'm calling her badass. But this is important because. It's, I mean, maybe she's not actually a badass because she's very optional to the story. Sure. So I'm not However, sure what she wants, like, I, I think she wants the aliens to not exist, but then once they do, there, I the, don't know. Her, yeah, it's a disaster. And we've discussed about the disastrousness of her, of just everybody's motivations in this film, whatever like they may we, be. How but, about Charlie just being really mopey over making the most important scientific discovery in the history of mankind? Sure. But I want to point, I want to stay on target with the badassness of Charlie's Theron because we're supposed to think that she's a badass. That is what the movie wants us to think. And then it goes and has Idris Elba be like, are you a robot? And I feel like he is written to ask her that she's a robot or whether she's a robot, because she's so, like, you know, badass, no nonsense. And, like, also, she's sexualized. Shaw is sexualized. Queen Erin isn't sexualized because she's old. And then we have... she's no. Her response to, are you a robot, is basically, if I were a robot, could you stick your dick in me? Which is like, what? Is that (laughs) nagging? Did Idris Elba neg her and did it work? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the future... Fuck like this? (laughs) You could stick your dick in an artificial hole, could you? Well, we know Michael Fassbender's fully functional in every way and programmed in multiple functions. What is with these motherfucking sci-fi android creators making an android a hot version of themselves? Like, would you not? No, I would be like, I want to, I want Idris Elba the robot, or, you know, I want Taika Waititi the robot just to look at him. I don't want to look at myself and think about, I, like, myself washing my own. I, I, I keep thinking of the Futurama episode where Fry gets a Lucy Lou 
robot girlfriend and it ruins his life because he spends all of his time making out with her. Maybe they can, maybe everyone who makes a robot in Look, science fiction after that, even though this is all before that. I just want to meet the cyborg that created the sexy Ian Holm robot. That's like, Look, the cyborg well, he, is like, I know what I want. Look, I know. Like, only make a robot out of yourself for two reasons. Anytime you encounter, whether it be clone, robot, or multiversal duplicate, there's the fight or fight response. Do you okay. fight yourself or do you fuck yourself? And some people probably do both. Being a cyber physician, you really need to ha- go through. It's part of the process. You get your certificate by going through that existential crisis of facing yourself as a robot. And if you succeed, then they're like, okay, cool. You have your certificate. Also, why isn't anyone talking about Noni and Sung and Khan Noni and Singh? Again, question. Can you have sex with your robot self and still pass? Or is that the automatic fail? Is that the test to weed out people who are going to fuck their robo selves? That's a di- like it is depends that what the on the. For? I think the sci-fi universe, the terms of that sci-fi universe, like in Star Trek, if you fight the robot, you lose. If in Prometheus, if you fuck the robot, you lose, and that's why Ian Holm robot exists because they need a robot that nobody wants to fuck. I don't see that about. Oh, I'm sure. oh that's true. I'm sorry. Fuck seventies Ian Holm. Seventies Ian Holm is he's an attractive man. Somebody I, has to fuck Bilbo Baggins. They are out there. I yeah, believe. that's true. <laughs> oh my god, Fox I'm Mulder, just... I believe they are out there. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm really sorry. Right now, I will rescind and apologize okay. for my statement that Ian Holm, an alien or it at all, is unfuckable. I'm not talking about Ian Holm can fucking get it. I, Ian Holm can get it no matter what. It's just Ash. No, not Ash. Ash, Ash can't is get not it. fuckable. Bishop is fuckable. Oh, Bishop's mad fuckable. Bishop is su- even though he like he, fucking Lance Henriksen came out of the womb with like a, like looking like he's a gargoyle, but like the kind that's beautiful and cries all the time. I'm just saying, Bishop would be a very giving lover. I feel like. <laughs> And all that alacrity. Good extensions, you know. Sleight of hand. Who knows what kind of attachments you have for Bishop. He's full. He is <laughs> Sorry, programmed God. in multiple Look, ways. Saying, saying, there are definitely people out there. There are 100% people out there who watched Aliens and saw Lance Hendrickson with that fucking scene with the fingers. And they're like, oh, I am both gay and into knife play, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a screwdriver? No, it was a knife. Nah, that was a knife. Watch After Dark, and we're like, "Yep, absolutely." Yeah. Um, also, so this movie explores. Oh, sorry. Yes, I just want to say one thing about before we're done with feminism. I can't wish <laughs> end of feminism. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing. One more thing, and then one I more think, thing. And then I think we could say we've officially closed the book on feminism. Pulling a rap on feminism. <laughs> we uh, did it, y'all. Unfurl Zena. the banners. It only Zena. took. Okay. It only took My, five of us to do it. Final statement on feminism <laughs> in this movie. Shaw is the reason we have xenomorphs. We have xenomorphs because of one Christian anti-vaxxer. <laughs> well done. Yes. Fuck yes! Yeah. Uh, and the psychotic, psychotic robot. It's just the two of them. Yep. God. Uh, I think we covered... So Facebook. This yeah. movie has characters of color... 
Boston. They are noticeably more working class than the others, but they are all much smarter and more likable and given way better depths than all the other characters. So is this movie racist? I don't know. Feels like a bit of a feels feels like a wash. Yeah. I'm going to say this, this movie breaks even on not being racist, maybe. Yeah. Also, I think it does not have anything intelligent or interesting to say about disability or mental health. It's not very, like, this is not things that it's interested in. And surprisingly little to say on class, considering that's kind of like Alien's thing. It's like, right. very obsessed with, like, the themes it's ultimately interested in expressing are creator and creation. And, like, not even necessarily themes of parenthood. Like, even with Charlie's being the daughter, like, that isn't a father-daughter theme they're exploring. It is just another facet of creator and creation. And that's, it's trying to be heady. But it's a kind of a more unapproachable theme than a lot of others would be. So if you're going to go for that, you def- you got to have something to say. Yeah. And this movie doesn't. So it both kind of has a bit of an unro- unapproachable theme and then doesn't do like say super interesting things with that theme with those themes. It feels like I- there's a whole TV series that we missed. Right. And then we got the movie. Like, this is the movie of a TV series or, like, a series of films or, like, a mini series or a comic book or something. And we're missing parts of it. And that's kind of why I liked it initially because, like, we, me and my wife binged all of the Alien movies before we saw this. So, like, while we were watching Prometheus, we were, like, picking out little things like David playing basketball calls back to Alien 4 where, like, hybrid Ripley does a shot behind her Uh, back and like make the basket and all this kind of stuff so like prometheus feels like all of these questions that are being dropped and all of these unanswered questions would have been covered in a show or something else and we're just missing it like just would have been covered if the next movie had gone on to actually follow shaw instead of just becoming completely obsessed with being the david show yeah yeah it's like the first movie yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, and 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 the only place where this movie gets anywhere close to addressing queer themes is when Idris Elba tells his two crew members that are stuck in the death tunnel alone not to fuck each other. Because, (laughs) God, that's the worst thing that could happen, I'm sure, is if they buggered each other. Fuck is going on. Also, is, like... That's not a southern term. Yeah. I know, yeah. (laughs) Right? Oh it's, my god, you're like right. Fucking Doctor Who, okay? Lots of places have a south, <laughs> all right? <laughs> maybe maybe Idris's accent is future future south whatever. Oh, it's like a it's the, in the very near future of yeah. 2094. Yeah. It's I, like the expanse where they have like the belter. Yeah. Belter, yeah. I don't know a, the belter I don't know. Look, I don't know a ton about British politics, but Based off what I see during my 6 a.m. Twitter scrolling when the British people are awake. I don't know. It seems like national national decline triggering mass migration to various other parts might be a thing. I don't know. Maybe there's becomes like a large influx of Welsh immigration to New Orleans in like the 2050s. Listen. Yes, leaving with that the European tr- with them Union, trust budgets. <laughs> leaving the European Union and somehow joining Texas to make a single country 
not that far off. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like combining Turf Island and Texas really. Oh, <laughs> great, man. oh yeah. Oh, it's like moving to Florida, Island, but for British people. Oh, you could pick up all of the UK, well, all of Britain, and put it in a small corner of Texas where there currently is nothing, and it would That's fit. True. So. Yeah. Just put it in the panhandle where there's nothing of value right now. And, and See, that's what I'm saying. There's more to this movie that we're not seeing. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. flooded in Texas. Yeah. We needed, like, a credit scroll, like a fucking event horizon. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 to Jamie's point, I was fully expecting, like, kind of like how one of the things that I just infuriated me about the Rise of Skywalker. That was the final Skywalker yep. Stars Mary, right? Yeah. I was I, like when all these people were like, oh, but all these things were actually explained in this totally other novel that you know, that novelizes the movie you just saw. Like I was fully expecting there to be like a Prometheus novel where I'd find out like, oh fuck that. Like I'm not reading that just so this will make more sense. I expected that to exist, but no. Yeah. Like, we get what we get. (laughs) It's an adaptation of a book that does not exist. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it it feels like. That's what it it does. Yeah, you were saying that it needed a a scroll like the beginning of Event Horizon. What it needs is Conan O'Brien going, in the year 2000. (laughs) Like, that's the level of, like, science fiction that's in this. London moves to Texas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right guys what you what do we recommend people watch this movie okay so if you can do like an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind kind of thing and erase all your memory of this conversation that we just had as fortunate <laughs> as this was and like everything you know about this movie having anything to do with alien you would have a good time just as I did. Even if you can't do that, which I imagine is most of you, I'm still of the opinion that this movie has good qualities that, like, if you like sci-fi horror, if you like cosmic horror, I mean, there are a bunch of other movies I'd recommend first, but, like, you know, you might get a kick out of the, you know, what, what, watch it with someone you like and feel free to, you know, poke fun at it occasionally. But I hate to admit it, this movie is not as good as I thought it was when I was, how old was I? 21 and just looking to have a good time at the movies with my brother. (laughs) But no, like that is what it is. Like if you have some friends over, like crack open some beers and are watching it, do you have a good time with some gorgeous visuals? And to see some really entertainingly dumb characters die in some pretty spectacularly entertaining ways, you know, you'll have fun. Like, I always have fun talking about this movie and finding new crazy things like Patrick Wilson's baffling British accent. It's interesting you said that, Greg, because, like, when I went in to see this, I was, like, fully, like, that week we watched all of the Aliens shit, we, like, night after night. So, like, we had everything fresh in our mind. And I was loving every bit of it, even as dumb as it was, because for whatever reason that like, I don't know, I was taken in by like the visual language and all the suit technology and how it like 
if this was a prequel, why does everything look so shiny? But that <laughs> it further reinforces that the first movie is like a working crew, like a working class kind of crew. And I haven't yeah. seen the last one, the latest one. So it, it might like fit together. But like for me, I would recommend it, but also understand that I watched a show that is aimed at six-year-olds to sell toys to Japanese children. So you should never, ever take my opinion on anything. We like to be, we like opinions of color on this show. As you said that your opinion earlier is colored by experience of... <laughs> a copywriter is dope, but like I understand that it's not for adults. <laughs> no, I mean neither is Rise of the TMNT, but it still slaps hard. This is a very gorgeous movie. I would throw it on at a party. I might have some chill times with it as long as you're not paying too much attention to anything that anyone is saying or doing. It is, it was lovely to watch. If you're hosting a party, put this movie on in the background, have some like chill wave going on. Ooh, nachos. Yeah, yeah have some nachos. Or if you movie. subscribe to our Patreon, we'll do a track of just us mumbling about it and being like, How is she running with staples in her fucking belly? Like, what the? Mm. She's John <laughs> McClaning it hard. She is just but, like, like, muscle tissue is gone. It's oh, yeah. Gone. It's uh, gone. Uh, I just chopped that up to future medical care. Future. You know what? It's it's easy to be uh, pessimistic about the future, but I choose to believe that sometime in the next 70 years, our <laughs> healthcare will get better. Actually, I'll no, just, listen. This movie doesn't very... suggest it'll be cheaper. It just suggests that it'll be done by robots. <laughs> it makes very explicit <laughs> in this film that this bed is one of very few that exists and you would have to be very rich to have it and it's designed only to be used by a single man. So, yes. I feel Calibre. like we already have that technology. <laughs> yep. The richest man um. in the world just has a bed that'll just do surgery for you. Yeah, this is... Have you ever needed surgery but don't feel like getting out of bed? Boy, do we have the device for you. <laughs> this RoboTalk... She's like freaking out and like she looks like she's wincing in pain. And I cannot believe that this robot does not, this robot doc does not have a localized anesthetic. Like I know she's setting it to manual or whatever. So, anyway, that's you can watch this yeah. movie if you want. <laughs> I, this is my first time watching this film. And I was just scrolling down the IMDb page to look for something <laughs> to recommend to go with this. And I stumbled upon this review, which I think really encapsulates how I feel about this movie. The title of the review is, I sort of enjoyed it. This is the review. The movie tells upon a story about a group of curious people who wanted to know the origin or can say what created them. They collected all the signs, which showed them a way to follow and find out. As they planned, they reached their, dis their desired destination. They found a breathable environment and source of life, too. But everything doesn't go according to plan. <laughs> <laughs> this is better than my recap. Fuck, why didn't we read this? This is way better than my shit. The more deep they are exploring the planet, the more they are getting killed. Hold <laughs> on. <laughs> Which is a robot designed to go along with the mission, found something in the cave, and surprisingly, it turned out to be an alien, which was alive but was in pod, and David tried to communicate with it. Were they able to communicate with the alien? <laughs> What was killing them? <laughs> Left signals for them. 
Were they able to complete the mission? At last, it will keep you wondering, and you cannot but watching the second part of the movie. But I love alien movies. That's why I choose to watch it, and it comes out to be thrilling for me. The visuals are awesome, though the alien looked a bit creepy. (laughs) I have to watch the second part now, Alien Covenant, to understand the entire story. M-I-F-F-F-215. That'll finish it. That really says it all. Oh, my God. Something else I think bothers me about this movie, as if I haven't fetched enough and just been, like, a whiny little, like, complain baby this whole movie. I feel like this movie has, like, it's it doesn't have a main storyline. It just has temporary storylines that overlap. Like, the two scientists killed in the cave and then one comes back as a murder zombie has nothing to do with David poisoning the drink and making a squid baby has nothing to do with old man guy Pierce being alive and wanting to talk to the engineer. The more deep they are exploring the planet, the more they are getting killed. The more they are getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should the be the tagline. <laughs> In the space, no one can killed. hear you being killed. <laughs> or you are being killed. <laughs> <laughs> it's my murder squad band. <laughs> No one can hear you in space. No one can hear the more you are being killed in space. In space, the more you are getting killed. Uh, (laughs) Greg, now that we've made you hate this movie that you loved previously, what would you recommend? Yeah, we're sorry. We're sorry. I I, I liked the movie previously. I wouldn't say I loved it. We're sorry Um, for killing your joy. No, yeah, that movie has been exposed to you as a terrible thing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to tear down all Prometheus posters on my wall. I'm Man, I'm gonna have to burn those fan letters I wrote to Ridley Scott. I know you're planning to I know you're planning to dress up as Yoked God for Halloween's. <laughs> yeah, I, I, actually, my my cosplay was gonna be Old Guy Pierce for NYCC. Oh, that's a lot easier. You uh, don't need quilts <laughs> for that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, this man has been going on too long. Uh, recommendation. Um, it, it's probably kind of obvious, but if you've already seen Alien and you want a, another dark, thoughtful, but like more successfully thoughtful sci-fi movie directed by Ridley Scott, Blade Runner holds up. If you're not watching, though, make sure you're watching the final cut. The that that is Ridley Scott's preferred version. The theatrical cut have stuff that's like very insulting to the audience's intelligence it, like the studio made him go back and like dumb it down and it's very frustrating so please make sure you're watching the final cut that's the version i think most streamers usually show anyway but it holds up it's it makes you think it looks beautiful it's morally complex in a way that doesn't feel cheap. I have some great twists too. If if you haven't been spoiled in the last forty years, yeah. The more they are investigating the robots, the more they are getting killed. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's going to be my pitch for every movie from now on. The more blank, the more they are getting killed. Put that. Put that in your pitch for your next topic. Oh my god! Can that be volume six for extraterrestrial girls? <laughs> the more they are learning, the more they are getting killed. <laughs> Can we do a horror one? <laughs> oh my god, uh, Jamie, what would you recommend? I was trying to, I was trying to think of like sci-fi thriller horrorish stuff. I think Pitch Black would be a fun one. 
like the Chronicle of Riddick, the Vin Diesel one where he's like the dude with the shined eyes and shit. I think the I think both films are very entertaining. I cannot stand Tandy Newton in the second one, Chronicles of Riddick, but it is very entertaining. I feel like I, I feel like they have that trying to the first one is a nice contained story just like alien the second one tries to do too much and takes itself way too seriously much like this film so you get a different kind of feel with both of these so like watch alien watch prometheus then watch pitch black and then chronicles of riddick and you'll see what i mean but yeah i think so oh and also common writer yes <laughs> always common writer i, I always recommending common writer arkr i would definitely second the uh, the pitch black recommendation also pitch black has keith david in it so oh that's right yeah it really does uh, i'll have to watch it now yeah for me just watch annihilation you want to have that that like biological horror weird shit going on and you know i mean annihilation's characters have motivations which is a plus it's also very pretty and has some weird space madness shit in it so and yeah, the, the books i'm always like oh the books blah 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 but <laughs> yeah the books are good but if you like this if you like the weird like biological horror element of this movie and that sort of mystery annihilation is better and also keeps it a mystery so also a lot of ladies to like lady Ben. What oh, and Benedict to? Wong is in that one. Too. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh man, Our Benedict Wong is in that. I forgot he was in Annihilation. So if you enjoyed Prometheus, I'm going to assume it was mostly because of the presence of bald white men, and you want more movies involving <laughs> bald white men. <laughs> I would recommend The Transporter, starring Jason Statham. <laughs> no debate. You know. I feel like you went a similar direction to me. I'm assuming that if you enjoyed Prometheus, you like Ridley Scott telling stories about yoked God. And wouldn't you like Ridley Scott telling stories about the yoked devil? So you should check out Legend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, if all the engineers look like Tim Curry in that movie, I'd be like, hell yeah. Also, that's just Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. It is probably as good of a movie as Prometheus. Uh, <laughs> it does have Tom Cruise as an elf in it. Oh, and it oh, does have sure Curry as the yoked-ass devil. Also, Robert Picardo and Billy Barty and a whole collection of, like, fun character actors. And it's not very good. It is very, like, 100s-level fantasy. But it is fun. So, you know, maybe maybe get your D&D &D party together and drink and you can watch it and... Uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Check that out. Yeah, that movie is a vibe. That is a hardcore vibe. It's just a vibe. Like 100% vibe. Yeah, and I'm here for it as well. Love that movie. <laughs> Surprising no one. Uh, of course you do. Now, before we wrap up here, Grape, can you let people know where they can find out more about you and what you do online? Sure. So I have a column called Silver Linings where I talk about comics and movies and related pop culture things. I am planning on doing a month's worth of horror content, actually. I want to do Silver Bullets again, like I did last year, okay. uh, October. I'm actually, you know, it's funny because I'm coming back from a, I took a break from freelancing for a couple of months because I just was totally burnt out and... Can't yeah, I don't know why that could be the case. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, yeah, freelancing on top of my day job 
<laughs> um, oh. So, but now I'm starting to come back with it. So, if you've missed Silver Linings, it is coming back as of this recording on Friday. I'm working on a new piece and I'm hoping to get back into a consistent schedule. Also, check me out on Popverse. They are the new pop culture site owned by Read Pop, which you might know from conventions like New York Comic Con. Started writing some stuff for them. I'm about to do a whole bunch of New York Comic Con content just to look out for that. Nice. Oh, and at Greg Silver. At Greg Silver is my Twitter and socials. And Jamie, what about you? Angry Zen Master on Twitter. Have music on Spotify. Hell yeah. Yes. So you can you find learn about there. the sushi boat. Sushi boat. It's sushi boat time. And then just, I don't know, man. Just put my name in a thing and you'll find something I make. It's fine. <laughs> I'm awful at promoting shit. <laughs> it didn't feel weird if I agreed with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm Real. As for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram, and Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at BenTheCon and at their website at BenConComics.com. And for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JRome58 and my website at JeremyWhitley.com. And of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, our website at ProgressivelyHorrified.Transistor.FM, and on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod, where we would love to hear from you. Speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love it if you would rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening. You give us five stars. That helps more people find us. It gets recommended to more people. And then we keep get to getting to make more of this wonderful thing and talk to people we love about very dumb movies. Speaking of the people we love, thank you again to Jamie and Greg for joining us. This has been so much guys. fun, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, yes, uh, it's always great to talk fun. to you. Yeah, being okay. forced to watch it was the only way I was ever going to end up watching Prometheus. <laughs> it, I made it happen. Well, now I can quit doing the podcast. Now I my oh, no. job is done. <laughs> Listen, uh, you're and I made y'all watch yeah. Evangelion, so yes, stuck yeah, with me. Yeah, you've made me watch Evangelion and Devil Man and Prometheus now, so that's a bunch. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to come back for Alien Covenant, I guess. Oh, oh yeah, I would love to. That hot fast bender on fast bender action. <laughs> Hell yeah! Sure. I believe the ship name is Fast Fast. That's good. That's good. Uh, it, 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 oh. When when Fastbender gives himself consent to make out with himself, is that fast path? Hey, depends yeah. on how long it takes. <laughs> Get some fast ass. There we go. <laughs> the deeper they go, the more kissing they have. <laughs> uh, okay, Fastbend him. <laughs> this is our third week of Scary Movie Month coverage, so we're going to wrap up with one more creepy sci-fi movie next week. Next week, we're talking about John Carpenter's The Thing. So that's going to be well, a good film. It's, it's a good film. And then after that, you can all rest assured that we will be jumping into a Crowvember, talking nothing about talking about nothing but David Cronenberg movies all month. So oh, look like forward to that. Right. I, I thought yeah, we were I just doing Crow movies. Not movies about crows. That could be Crowvember 2023. I know I was part of the Cronenberg month discussions, but I forgot and got temporarily excited for Crow Month about the crows. <laughs> you do the bird. I- I'm sure there's that movie about the raven. Oh, there's the actually. Info. There is a movie. There's, there's a, a movie called The Crow. Uh, there's also there's that one too. Crow. It's a movie. <laughs> the Raven has. It has Vincent Price. Yo, boy, Vincent. And Price. and Christopher Lee. 
Or maybe Bella Lugosi. Whoa! Yeah. That's like... Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to Google it. That shit rocks. Yes. Yeah. And Peter Lorre is in it. And Jack Nicholson is in it. Holy shit. Baby. Okay. How have I not seen that already? Or you can watch the one from 2012 that has John Cusack and Alice Eve. There you go. Well, thank you guys again so much for... uh... Boris Karloff, Peter Lorre, and Vincent Price. All right. Well, that is a wrap for us. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Until next time, stay horrified. All right. Thank you all. Progressively Horrified is created by Jeremy Whitley and produced by Alicia Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy, Ben, Emily, and special guests Greg and Jamie. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and do not represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Colo 6 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. If you like this episode, support us on Patreon. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.